Hello, listeners of the Artversations podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another meditative conversation about the artistic process. If this is your first tune in, hi, I'm your host, Bree, like the cheese. Thank you for joining me and making this podcast a part of your day. Don't forget to follow or subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date with more episodes and give the Instagram a little follow if you're looking for some more content from the incredible guest artists. Which brings me to this week's guest. Ah, uh, yes. Zooming in from New York, we've got Francis Lorraine Sampson on the pod today. I was thrilled to sit down over Zoom with Frances to hear all about her experience as a soloist with the world-renowned Limon Dance Company. We get deep into the wonderful training of the Limon technique, as well as discuss how its roots influence the movement styles of today. On top of all that, she spoke about her methods as a dance educator and how teaching brings her new insights as a performer. It's a calming one, listeners, so make sure you have a cup of warm tea or a bath ready to go. Let's hear from Frances Lorraine Sampson. When I joined the Canadian Contemporary Dance Theater or when I was with Lamone, I was like, why aren't people screaming at me? Yeah. And I wasn't used to it. And I thought the work wasn't as rigorous because they weren't screaming at me. Right. And it's like, no, they're communicating properly. Hi, Frances. Hi, Brianna. Or do you go by Brie? Brie's good. Saves you a little bit of time. <laughs> You're in New York City right now. Is that correct? That's true. Here for now. Then I head off to North Carolina, back to Toronto, and then Malta and Italy. Oh, wow. Gypsy, gypsy life. Is Malta and Italy, <laughs> is that for pleasure or for work as well? Really pleasure. Um, I've, ever, I've actually never gone to Europe without work. And so... This time is just for family, lots of drinks, good food, actually incredible food, yeah, and um, beautiful landscapes. So I'm excited about that. That's so wonderful. I, I'm part Italian, but I've never been to Italy. So that's definitely on my bucket list too. To have like pasta in Italy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they must be like so oily and delicious. Yeah, and then my best friend um, who used to work with the limo dance company she moved to sicily during the pandemic and so we'll have a little reunion there as well oh, wow and you haven't seen her since the pandemic no i've seen her maybe once or twice but just just briefly well i'm thrilled that you can have like time off from work because <laughs> i know you said that you've been very busy this summer with limo and dance company <laughs> yes it was funny that um, so many people were saying, I hope you had a great summer in my emails. And to be honest, I just didn't even know summer started because we started our spring performances and then all of a sudden it's fall. I just, I was very absorbed in that. <laughs> hmm. Is the busyness uh, exciting because you know that you're constantly working or you know, do you find the busyness to kind of like you're saying, like take you out of like what's actually going on around you? 
I think it's been incredibly rewarding. We have a new director, um, artistic director of the Limon Dance Company. And not only is he an amazing leader, but he works his ass off. And mm. so we've had so many incredible opportunities in the past few months. Um, and after one wraps up, we go right away into something else that's just as rewarding and beautiful. And so um, I feel very lucky to be working so much, especially in the times that we're in. And there was actually a point in May where I was almost doubting. I was like, how perfect life felt. <laughs> oh, oh, the <laughs> doubt. Life, my family life, my love life, everything just felt uh, perfect. So it's been really wonderful. I feel like it's hard to trust that joy and that pleasure and that, you know, because of, like you said, the times that we're living in where perhaps maybe work can be pulled out right underneath us. And, you know, when things are going well, it's almost like, but it, shouldn't there be like disease and war and things going on? Like it still is going on, but you know, <laughs> But when it is happening and feeling good, like I feel like I sometimes have to remind myself that being a working artist and being also happy is okay. Yeah, they can go in hand in hand. Right. And we should relish in the times that we do have or experience that. Mm -hmm. My friend was telling me, you can't be too happy for it, so just enjoy it. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, just enjoy the ride. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful that you have, um, is it Dante Puleo? Dante Puleo, yes. Puleo? Yeah, to have a leader who is, you know, willing to kind of bring everyone along and jump through projects. Um, I feel like that's also very grounding through all of it. Did you find Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He is excellent at conflict management. He is a great speaker. I think he represents us all well. And... I can't say anything bad about him. He's, it's been wonderful. And it's really um, ignited my love for the company, the Institute and the foundation. So wow, this is where that's, I want to stay. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Um, I was creeping you a little bit and reading your bio and, and researching a little bit, but it, it, uh, you're also like a, not only just a company member, but also like a reconstructor of the foundation. So I'm assuming that means that you like keep the pieces from the past alive and, and um, perhaps maybe uh, bring them to other communities around states or even Canada, is that, is that right? You're absolutely right. So this is a new endeavor I've started um, in the past year. And I feel very honored to one, be performing these masterworks, but then now to be sharing it with um, next generations. Um, I set the winged at Etobicoke School of the Arts. No way! And then I set it also at Perry Mansfield, which we did a little residency there up in Colorado. Okay. I set Jose Limon Sam on our institute. And I am hoping my goal is to come back to Toronto Metropolitan University, which was Ryerson, mm -hmm. to set of work so that's kind of um my goal for the next few years um whether that be next year or a, or a few years from now but it's amazing I mean we are 
the work we do, we are a living, breathing, moving art. So, um, and we and being part of a legacy company, we it is ever evolving. And if we don't continue to do this work and share these stories of people who changed um, the landscape of art, then they will just cease to exist. So mm. it's wonderful to continue um, sharing their craft, their research, and their experience of what it, what it is to be human or how they lived or interacted with society and the world. So it is... It's incredible to do and a great challenge. Mm. Um, I have to watch so many different archives and they all do it very different, but what right. is the essence? What was at the forefront of the work? And then you also obviously go back to the earliest version, or I should say the oldest version mm -hmm. and see how they created um, this, these stories. So a lot of research, a lot of note taking, and then also just exploring with the people you do have in front of you. Right, because you're trying to reimagine the work as a 2022 version. I, like I, I would assume you don't want to um, come to the table and be very uh, particular about certain choreographic choices, unless of course it really is a remount you know, same lighting, same costume, same blocking, you know, I, I'm curious to hear a little bit how you blend the traditional with modern, uh, excuse me, current um, mm -hmm. dance pedagogies and dance practices right now. Um, speaking of, in my experience, I, I worked a little bit with Cunningham uh, during my schooling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember the first day thinking, oh my goodness, this is so, um, not old fashioned, but it felt so particular. And that was a, a, a great challenge though, to look at archival videos and be like, okay, we're gonna copy. We're going to um, do the best that we can to uh, recreate what happened back in 1963. But I'm also curious about, you know, as you are taking on this role as the reconstructor, the, um, the upkeep of the archive, um, where do you blur those lines about how we can um, make art from the 20th century come into the 21st? Well, that's a big debate. Um, and that's a big challenge that we experience with modern dance because our founders have passed and we're going to continue to share their work. A lot of what we do with the company or we have been doing with the company is going back to the original, the original scores, uh, the original costumes and we can't emulate or be the people who were in these roles but we can interpret understand and have context to what they were speaking about and then with our own experiences um, in our daily lives we can then you know add our own individuality to these works. And even if it is precise and you have to step on this leg or follow this rhythm, which it usually is, um, it's how you approach the movement that I think makes it very individual. Um, and that's the Pepper Limon um, because you know, the work is, it's different on everybody. It's how we relate to space. It's how we relate to what it is to be human. Um, so, 
it's always going to be different, but I think if your intentions are pure, then um, you're still honoring the work. Mm. You mentioned, you know, yeah, breathing new life or this ever evolving, you know, practice that we do as dancers where some days it's just that the rhythm is not working in our bodies or some days, you know, um, the partnering is just not, not coming through. So I think that's one of the most like wonderful parts about what we do is that we get to make it feel so human. Yeah. Right? Be because we come to the work with our human selves, with all of the mess and, and emotion that comes with being a human. Exactly. Then, yeah. It's complex and we are different people every day. And um, we don't just have one relationship that um, we are experiencing. We experience many things at once. And so joy today might be experienced differently than joy tomorrow. Or, or if you think of it as your physicality, you might experience weight or gravity differently, just depending on what's influencing you in that moment or that time. And just knowing we're all human. And even those old videos we're referencing, they make mistakes too. They're also human, so um, it's just, again, going back to the intention. Hmm. Yeah, and I imagine, too, you also have, being a performer of the work as well, you know, <laughs> you also have that experience already of, like, oh, gosh, today was just not the day, or, like, oh, today felt really liberating and joyful, and then passing that along to um, other artists and other emerging um, movers. I think that's a really interesting, um, a, a dual role to play, performer and um, reconstructor. Absolutely. And I think, um, especially with the pieces I have reconstructed already, now when I revisit it or I watch uh, a more senior reconstructor set the work or share it to a new dancer, it's always very... Um, interesting or informative to watch their process and how they want to share the information. And again, this is a community of generations. So if you don't know the answer or if you um, want more clarity, there's so many different voices of people who are still alive, people who have worked with Jose that you can always contact. And even if they're not with the company currently, everyone still wants to continue this vision and continue his legacy. That's such a wonderful environment to be a part of, I imagine, knowing that, you know, it, it's such a past, present and future um, mm -hmm. revolving door. Yeah. And how long have you been with the company? Did you start in 2017? I, yes, I got the job in 2016. My artist took a little bit longer than expected. Mm. And then I joined in 2017. Maybe we could talk a little bit about becoming an, a, an artist outside of the country that you grew up in, because um, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of artists listening who want to move away from their current home grounds um, have had struggles with visas, have had struggles with the ups and downs of moving and relocating. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear about how that process went for you. It sounds like it was a long, long journey. It's a long journey that continues. Um, well, when I got the job, I was very young. I was 19. I had no idea that I needed to get a lawyer or that there was all this paperwork. I thought getting the job was the hard part. 
um, the paperwork was. Oh gosh. <laughs> and so it ended up taking me about eight months my first time. But I blame that on my procrastination. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Um, so I have a visa advisor and then a team of lawyers who support me. I'm currently going to my third artist visa. So I re renew it every three years. And it's just a lot of, it's a detailed CV. And you are just selling yourself as an artist to mm. people who aren't artists. I guess similar to what it might be with writing a grant, except right. it's for every, every bit of work you've done. And I think I was a little traumatized for the, from the first experience. Understood. But I have to keep reminding myself that I did it once, I've done it twice, and I know I could do it again. Um, That's yeah. very understanding, or I think I could understand where you know, if things are rough right away and you're 19 and um, you just turned down going to a university program and then you're plunged into like having to figure out your own life and sell yourself, um, I, I could absolutely understand how that would be traumatizing and, and feel like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I can't do this again. Um, what kept you going besides your team of support? I guess my love for the work we do. Um, I don't think I'd do it for any other company. And I think that's really it. <laughs> that's really that's it. enough. That Yeah, that is absolutely enough. Do it for the work right. that I do. Um, it's just incredibly rewarding and purposeful. And it's also, it gives me context to Jose Limon. Not that I'm going to relate my experience to his life, but he was an immigrant artist who came from war-torn Mexico to the United States. And he definitely had a harder life than me, but we both experienced what it is to be an outsider. And I think that's why so much of his work shows hope and resilience that even when you can't or you think you can't do it you can mm -hmm. and especially when you have support and a community um it is possible that's so profound i'm glad that you know through everything else like the practice and the work feels like enough to take you and enough to drive you um i remember when i was uh studying Limon at Arts Umbrella at their summer intensive. With Risa Steinberg? No, it wasn't with Risa. It was with Donna Krasnow. Oh, Donna, yes. The wonderful Donna. I, I, I haven't met Risa yet. I, I'll have to take a, her She's class. incredible. Yeah, one of the, the best teacher I've ever had. Um, but I studied Limon with her at Arts Umbrella. It's wonderful to have those mentors who can also show their passion for it and then you're in the room with them and everyone is alive and, and uplifted by um very physical very liberating very um uh, uh, I remember it feeling very like jumpy and very um uh, airy but at the same time so grounded when it needed to be and the across the floor was always my favorite part because it was just like flying um 
And so, yeah, like, I think when I was doing it, I remember just feeling like this is enough to, I would do this every day if I could, you know, because it was so um, filled with uh, resilience, like you had spoken about Jose's story. And I think, you know, I tried to like push past feeling tired or push past feeling like it's an older style of dance, but it, it feels like it's universal. It feels like it could go on forever because it's rooted in those, um, in that story, I guess, of, of Nemo. I didn't realize that he was, he had come from Mexico and, and kind of started all over. And yet here he is now with a 76th, you know, or 75th season uh, company that's still active. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, you said so much just there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was this feeling of weightedness that then supports this idea of flight. And so that's the juxtaposition of, you know, gravity, or it could also be interpreted as like hardship, tragedy and loss. Mm. And then this spirit or this resilience that continues to allow you to keep going on. Right. Um, so that's felt both physically, but then also in how you may want to emotionally, spiritually approach the work as well. Yeah, I felt that. Absolutely. I was doing it at like 9 a.m. And oh, the, the <laughs> but it was okay. Like the rest of my day was better because I had, I knew I had limo in the morning and I knew I was going to like start my foundation of my day with this, yeah, this duality. Yeah, the weightedness bringing me and propelling me into into flight it's so juicy to play with absolutely yeah I love that you're saying that um but yeah the work just carries you on um it is so adaptable it it works on any person anybody whether they're very experienced with dance or they're beginner level and I teach both and I love teaching both Hmm. um because I think you learn from each group. Um, beginners will just throw their bodies and experience weight to its fullest. And maybe they don't know how to accept it, but it's very daring. And then um, when you work with some, with more advanced dancers, it's kind of this deconstruction to then approach movement in a different way. Um, that's also extremely challenging and rewarding Mm -hmm. to play with, allowing them to find different sensations or allowing them to break um, movement patterns that are so so embedded in their bodies. So totally teaching is another great passion of mine um, Mm. that I kind of discovered or played with a lot more in the pandemic. Mm. Was that an online only? Or did you have outside classes that you could play with? I started at Perry Dance just once a week, teaching a beginner class. In the pandemic, I taught a lot, um, whether it's for Instagram, whether it's for different institutions across Ontario, whether it's for the Limon Institute. Then I ended up doing um, companies in Italy, places in Denmark, um, different constructions as well so it was really 
it gave me purpose in the pandemic. And then now since then, um, I've continued to explore that voice and I've had the pleasure of teaching at a lot of incredible institutions. Mm, that's wonderful to hear that like you found that you could also use your voice in a, as a teacher. I feel like sometimes as a performer, I feel like I can't speak. And then when I like am learning all of these practices, I like put them in my back pocket for when I will be able to teach. And then it all comes out, you know, like that, that ability to share what you've learned as a performer, as a, uh, a, a trainee of this, of this work. Um, because I do find that sometimes not everyone can teach, but it, if you are a student, you know, and you like to be a student, then you should try. You should try teaching because there's so much you can share from that experience. Absolutely. And I think I thrive in class. Mm. I get a little nervous in performance. Yeah. Um, especially because the first few years of being in the company, we weren't performing so much. Now we are performing a lot. But um there's a lot about the process and a lot about different classes. And I was absorb, absorbing um, so many different approaches to the movement because especially with Limon, it's not codified. So everyone offers their own insights or what um, stands out to them, what they connect with. And so all that to say, I love sharing this information and it's very special to me to be able to be teacher because I also I didn't have the education um, that mm. many other dancers do have and so um, it gives me again more purpose and value to the work I do and purchase college was my um, dream school and mm. I never ended up going international fees and I feel um, you it's it's challenging, but yeah, it was also one of my my top choices. You too. <laughs> and I got in, and then I was like, and I even got a scholarship, and I still still couldn't even think to afford it. Absolutely, my my parents said no, but last fall I was a guest lecturer there, and so I was teaching the senior modern class, and it was just wonderful to be able to share that with them, especially because a lot of a lot of people view it as an older form and I think it's very current and it's very timeless. And there are just so many different sensations to be found, so many different concepts to play with. Um, and you're always learning within the work, so. What a full circle moment to, you know, be in, a, in an institution that you couldn't access. And then there you are at the front of the room offering. Uh, yeah, it was, it was very special to me. That's very neat. Yeah, wow. I mean, the whole conversation around uh, going to school and getting a like a formal post-secondary education as an artist, I feel like that's a huge one that I still grapple with too, even after I have a degree and a BFA. I feel like, you know, there's there's merit to just going right into auditioning or right into a job that is offered to you and kind of, um, recognizing that you don't need school to be a um, educated person. You don't need, you know, like this formal um, institution that will then give you a, a degree at the end of it. And then now you're a dancer or now you're an artist, you know? Yeah, I mean, 
it's such a it's such a, a a fine line because art is so evolving that it like constantly changes how we teach it as well. So yeah, I just I'm I don't know I'm blabbering on, but I'm I'm curious to hear about what you think about you know not going to school for dance or uh, to be an artist in general and taking flight with whatever is in, in front of you. Not to, not to use a pun, but taking flight into Limo. <laughs> I mean, I went to Toronto Metropolitan University for one year. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I didn't fully enjoy my time there. And it seems like many of these institutions have a very structured schedule that doesn't allow for a lot of um, creativity, guest artists, or just to be immersed in the community. Um, So I was fortunate to go to the Canadian Contemporary Dance Theatre where I met many um, artists in the field. And that also linked me to Limon Company. And of course, I don't have a degree to support the work I do. And I will probably go back to school it's always there um, but I still have received the training like um with my other friends or colleagues or artists it's just in real time so I've explored these pieces and then have been able to perform them with the company I've had teachers from major institutions come in and workshop but just in a more professional environment and with maybe a little less paperwork afterwards so it's it was hard to feel growth in my first year or two because I saw my friends exploring so many different um, choreographers or so many different movement styles but to be saturated in one and to see myself now over five or six years I definitely feel the change and I feel like a different person and I feel knowledgeable in my craft so Mm. yeah I'm satisfied with the work I'm doing and I think that's hard to come by Mm -hmm. I hear that yeah uh my first year at at Toronto Met was also very difficult and I I questioned continuing so yeah I I hear you (laughs) on that I mean the program has changed even since I graduated in 2020 but at the time, um, like you said, it, it really does put a lot of restrictions on um, a, an actual artistic growth. I find that um, it really wants to teach you a lot, the program, it wants to teach you everything. And so I felt like just overwhelmed with a lot of knowledge and I didn't really know where I stood in that. Yeah, how do you practice that? Or right. how do you physically do that in society or in real world right yeah and then you know you can learn uh as a traveling artist all of those skills you You have to (laughs) yeah you have to because it's it's pressurized exactly yeah 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 jumping into um full-on pressurized uh perhaps maybe stressful um traveling and um working as a company member with a with with one practice I imagine that you would learn those skills that you could get in four years. Um, 
and they're real life skills, you know, they're not like um, fabricated and um, professors telling you about what to expect. They're your own experiences. I imagine that to be um, very fruitful as an education. Mm -hmm. I mean, it taught me to grow up and grow up quick. I was very sheltered. I lived with my parents when I was in school. Um, I had people driving me around. It was things are pretty easy and when I moved to New York I had to learn to do everything on my own and when I joined the company many of them have been there for 16 years and so I was surrounded by incredible artists and just learning from how they lived their lives what they prioritized changed who I was too and that was incredibly inspiring Um, I think the work itself but also the people in it strip themselves of materialistic things and that's not to say that you can't indulge but at the forefront of this work is community and who is on the pod with us is there a guest my roommate who's also with us Hello. Uh, <laughs> um, we love guests on the pod, though. Double guests. If you <laughs> <to> say hello. <laughs> we joined the company together at the same time. Um, and yeah, so we've been working together for like five, six years. Oh, wow. She's amazing. Hi. Hello. I don't know if she can hear me, but hello. <laughs> trying to remember what I was saying, but um, being thrown into it. I, I had to grow up quick and I learned a lot. I was in the room with senior dancers, people who've been in the company for 16 years. And I learned from how they approached the movement, how they approached their lives and what they prioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that's the greatest gift moving to the city. There's something uh, to stripping down um, uh, superficial um, superficial needs or materialistic needs and, and letting that all go and realizing like, I only need the bare minimum. I only need community. Well, not only, I need community. Um, and it's so engaging that everything else doesn't really mean a lot to me as much as the people I'm surrounded by. Um, yeah, because yeah. I think about like my my work as a teacher and and how sometimes I, I want to like buy the Apple Watch and I want to buy the speaker for this and I want to upgrade all of my, um, any, any kind of objects that would make me feel like more of a artist. And then I think about, is that really necessary or can I, strip down everything else and imagine myself as just being around people that make me feel passionate and around um, work that makes me feel uh, like I can offer something to the world. Like that's enough for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And some days you feel that more than others. Yes. But um, yeah, this work is so much about community. And I think I live a pretty simple life in New York because that's enough to sustain me. 
I also think it takes a particular person to be part of this company. Um, we don't get paid a lot, but we do incredible work. And a lot of what we do is group work. So finding that communal breath. And I think to be that present and to be that vulnerable, you also need to release ego. Oof, big because one. I think that will um, inhibit you from fully experiencing the work um, as a group community. Mm -hmm. That's a huge, huge point about ego death. And um, I think sometimes too, as a performer, I get so on my high horse because I'm oh, on stage. Oh, me too. <laughs> you know, right? Like we're all guilty of it. We're on a stage, the lights are on us. We're wearing makeup. You know, there's a heightened sense of power when you get to be- Power in that role. and passion, yes. Right, right. <laughs> but I mean, at, like- that's not enough to keep me going. I can't, I can't like wait until the next time I'm on stage to feel like I'm actually doing good work. I want to be in rehearsal with other people who are also fighting for that same joy or, or who are working through a pattern of movement that feels so complex, but then we all do it together. And that feeling of overcoming mm -hmm. um, together. That's a huge one for me, yeah. Yeah, we can't do it alone. And the work we do is so much more than just us and our personalities. I mean, it is the creation of all of our individual experiences. Absolutely. And yeah, you're living with someone who uh, is also in the company, you said, right? Yes. So you truly are, you know, helping each other, not just inside of the rehearsal room, but outside as well. Oh yeah, um, she is a friend and inspiration and a great support in my life. Does it feel like family? Rather, like does it, does it, yeah. Everyone like it almost, feels like family. Mm, so it almost goes like above company or above, um, uh, above like an ensemble of, of, of art or, or um, artists, it, it's like, you know, I imagine it, it really comes down to you keep each other going. Yes, exactly. And especially with, you know, longer tours, long work days, learning a lot of material, um, shifting spaces, you know, we really keep each other afloat and we really help each other to continue doing what we do and continue loving um, this work or this art. And I've been so fortunate to be in such a safe and supportive environment because I know that's not always the case. I'm but so glad to hear that. I definitely feel heard. Um, I definitely feel seen. And if there, anything, if there is anything that ever comes up, it is always communicated effectively. So um, it's very collaborative. That's huge. I'm curious to hear about a little bit of how the, because um, you mentioned Dante uh, being such a great leader and um, other choreographers that come in and, and, and are working with you, like you said it was collaborative. Does that, does that mean that like the hierarchy of where it usually is, where the choreographer, you know, tells everyone to do something and then you have to do it? Does that, is that hierarchy, um, has that been broken down or does it feel actually that it like fulfills the space 
where 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 does it lie in 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 rehearsals so i don't really see much of a hierarchy in the company obviously there are more senior company members um but we don't actually use principal ah okay so, very different from like a ballet company right yeah, yeah. from ballet company or i know the Graham company uses that mm. but um obviously we respect each other and um, if you've been in the company, you've been living in the work longer, you have may you may have a you may have more information, but that's not to discredit someone else who then can discuss and we can, you know, see what works for each person or what supports the space. Uh, we have a wonderful rehearsal director who we really would not be able to do what we do without her. And okay. we all just respect her. And so yeah, we always just um, listen to our thoughts. And if we have, if we're unable to maybe find a certain coordination for sensation, or if there's spacing difficulties, her eye is always very supportive. Um, the collaborators we have had come in, whether they're musicians or whether they're choreographers, they've also shared the same experience of let's have a discussion, let's work on it together, what do we need? And, you know, it's just give and take throughout. Fantastic. I, I only ask just not to make you doubt, you know, that, 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 that doubt coming in about trusting, you know, the process. I only ask because I think it's important to speak on when it is a positive, collaborative environment. Those are the kinds of stories I want to be told on this, on this platform. Um, so I'm really thrilled to hear that it feels like you have a voice as Absolutely. a performer. That's one of the first things I learned um, in joining the company um, was that our voice matters and our voice as a group is strong. Mm. No matter who's leading the room or whoever is the director at the time, but the collective voice is strong. And so fantastic. Yeah, what we have to say matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're working with something that is so longstanding um, and different people come into the company and leave, I'm, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly shifting. So, you know, having those check-ins and, and creating a safe space, that's something I was learning too as I, as I taught more and more about how to lead a space and make it feel like everyone could have a voice especially when you're dealing with, um, not dealing, but when you're faced with um, uh, a beginner dancer and when you're teaching Limo, like um, when I'm working with beginner level non-dancers as we call them, um, you know, yeah, you, you have to be able, I, for me, I, I have to be able to um, be what they need at that time mm -hmm. and ask, 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 ask about what I can do for them rather than, mm -hmm. and I think a couple of teachers of mine have done this, where they stand at the room and they demonstrate something or they um, yell in such a, a like violent way, you know? And I think that's where these spaces can sometimes become so unsafe so quickly and the voices of all get silenced. Um, 
so yeah, I, you know, I'm not, I, it, I'm not trying to, to, to preach anything that's new because I think we're all shifting towards that more and more, but that hierarchy breaking down is very, very interesting to me. And I, I'm so thrilled to feel it, to, to hear that you feel like you have a, a voice. Yeah, I think it's so funny. Uh, I, I grew up in the competition. Uh, same. So when I joined the Canadian Contemporary Dance Theater or when I was with Lamone, I was like, why aren't people screaming at me? Yeah. And I wasn't used to it. And I thought the work wasn't as rigorous because they weren't screaming at me. Right. And it's just like, no, they're communicating properly. Finally. And they want you to fully be present in what you do. And then they could offer you their opinion on your choices. But yeah, it's very funny that that's what we thought the norm was. Totally. Yeah, that, that was the same experience for me. I, I, and I started to resent class when um someone wasn't yelling at me <laughs> and I, I realized I was like that's actually a me problem because that means that I need to ask for what I uh you know or, or ask questions and like feel like exactly. I actually have yeah that's one of the first things I tell my students I was like please let me know if you need clarity feel free to ask questions I love questions right we yeah. need to communicate <laughs> Totally. Speaking a little bit about um, CCDT, uh, I read that you became the director of the Young Apprentice Program just recently. Or uh, it was just for last year or something. That was last season. Yes, okay. I was the YAP director, which was so wonderful. So now I was with eight-year-olds and they were- That young. Yes, they were very young. Um, and we were doing the Limon syllabus that I grew up with, Donna Krasnos. And it was so wonderful to see them on Zoom, present. And, you know, this is work that I've been exploring since I was 13. And I still continue to do it as a pre-show ritual. And then to see little bodies doing that and investigating, it was really incredibly, incredibly rewarding. Um, also just seeing them show up every day on the Zoom screen and their creativity and just their need or desire to share their stories. And they were just so open and confident and expressive. And they just wanted an outlet to share and it was beautiful. And I hope they continue to um, keep that same sense of openness and creativity, but it was, it was a wonderful experience and I was very sad to leave them. I actually missed one of our company's residencies because I wanted to stay and finish off my term with them. Oh, wow. We did a beautiful, beautiful film with Kendra Epic um, to Kendra. finish that off, so. Okay, so did you have them for six months, four months or how long? Yes, I taught been? them from January until June. Oh, wow. Uh, Limon technique classes. I think it was maybe twice or three times a week. And then we also had a company and we did repertoire, creative movement. And I was kind of just their go-to person slash mentor for that season. And I hope to see them again soon. <laughs> and in person, hopefully. Yeah, they saw me in person on the very last day. We did an outdoor filming. And one of them stuck their faces at my face and they're like, wow, that's what your face looks like. And yeah. they were so surprised. And 
You have legs. Yeah. They were just, they were, it was very sweet. That's another full circle moment, you know, like, and to be doing uh, the same practice that you grew up doing. Yeah. Like sharing, sharing what we, what we know as students and then becoming teachers. I feel like that's such a rewarding and, and also in my experience too, it kept me going during the pandemic as well. Like just knowing that we could still discuss the work and have it be in conversation, even if it was over zoom mm-hmm. in boxes. Um, <laughs> a couple of my students had like a thumbnail of space to work with and they pushed through that feeling of being so constricted um it yeah a lot a lot of rewarding work uh, and patience was a A lot of patience yes and a lot of uh guidance for the young ones Mm. to you know allow them to continue on um but at first I thought you couldn't do Lamone at home because it's so much of that of it is experiencing your weight and locom- locomoting through space, but taking it in a smaller space just allowed you to focus on different aspects of the movement style or different principles like intention, um, initiation, where the movement's coming from. And so even if it might have not been as full or risky, it was still a deep investigation. So that was still something I was able to try to explore oh yeah I mean it was so needed when everything shut down I was like when where's the New York class I need class right now I need stability yeah oh that's so wonderful very cool very cool so yeah do you think um I guess you know you're you're still busy with the company but do you think you'll be back to to run that program again or maybe in a couple years well my dream is to um eventually teach or direct a dance institution. So whether it be there, whether it be at a university, whether it be at a private school, it is something I want to continue to pursue. Um, And and that's why I think I do so much. That's not why I think that is why I do so much guest teaching when I come home or in the city or any off time, I'm usually teaching. That's yeah, it keeps you going. I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, so, you know, you've been through so much with the, with Limon Company this summer, but now you finally get to have some time to travel and see the world. Yes. What are you looking forward to besides the good food in, in Malta? Just uh, family time. Yeah. Huge, huge. <laughs> and Having a life. And uh, a rest. Ooh, yeah. That's a big one. That's a big I one. I think it'll also then make me more excited for when I come back for fall mm-hmm. performances. Because then again, we'll be going straight for a while. Oh boy. So after North Carolina, next thing, next thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Very important to rest. It's a big one, right? I like, oh, I'm, I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad at resting. I, I know. Like- when I take vacation, my body thinks it's like dying or it like thinks that it's shutting down. And I'm like, it's okay. We can, we can sleep in today or we can not move today, you know? But yeah, I, this is the true vacation I'm giving myself. And I, I don't think I've done that. So that is something I'm looking forward to. Oh my gosh. If you haven't done it, this is so deserved then. 
Like yeah, usually it's a thing or something in the mix, but this oh. one is purely just for fun. So that no one can reach you. You're going off the grid. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> kind of. If anything, do it for me. If you can't do it for yourself, <laughs> I want that for you. That's wonderful. Thank you. I'm just looking on my notes. I feel like, it, it, so you have the American Dance Festival coming up in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is, I think, in like four days from the time that we're recording this. Yeah. Oh, boy. And then travel. And then you also said you're going to a wedding? I'm going to a wedding as well. Yeah. We can finally do weddings. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been to one since I was very young. Mm. So I'm excited for that as well. Wonderful. Um, I'm excited to be back in Toronto to see my family. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for upcoming performances. Um, where can people find you? Where, where, if they want to, while you're not off the grid, where can people find you to uh, stay up to date with your projects? Where can they find me? Oh. You could find me wandering through Columbus Circle in New York. <laughs> I'm always That's there. the best response I've gotten to that question. Thank you for that. I actually always run into people there for some reason. Um, many artists. I don't know why. I think it's just the express trains just all cross by there. It's but, a great location. I love that spot too. You know, I, I have Instagram. I don't use it as much as I should, but I, what does that mean? Um, I don't know what that means. But I will respond to your messages on Instagram. <laughs> Probably not on Facebook. Mm. And the trusty email, I guess. Okay, I will link that all in the description. Thank you so much for reaching out about this, by the way. It's like so um, exciting for me to, to have international artists and, and people outside of Toronto on. And, and I feel like it's long overdue that we've been able to sit down yeah, for yeah. an hour. And I really enjoyed picking your brain about so many projects that you're working on. It's so uh, exciting to see uh, a Canadian artist thriving, in, in my opinion, thriving. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Hopefully like we'll do it in person. Going. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh my gosh, well, we could keep going. If there's anything else too that you want to promote, um, the mic is yours. No, I think you'll see it online through the Limon Instagram, but there are many tours and international tours coming up for us. So that's exciting. I did see too, and correct me if I'm wrong. Are there like free classes that happen in Bryant Park sometimes? Yes, yeah, so every weekend we have free, par- free classes at Bryant Park with a live musician. Um, yeah. That's so cool. That is awesome. It's very fun. And people come from all over the country. Um, I've had people come from Toronto just to take the classes. And, you know, it's a safe way of getting the community together. Very true. And yep. Yes. Movement is life. Mm-hmm. so important okay cool thank you for well, this thank you Bree. thank 
Thank you so much for listening to the Arversations podcast. Please help the podcast community continue to grow by clicking subscribe or follow on your podcast platform and leave a review. As well, follow the podcast on Instagram at ArtVersationsPod. You'll find photos of the guests you just heard, plus highlights and quotes from each episode. Let's keep the Artversation going. Send in a DM with your thoughts about art and any questions you might have for guests. Special thank you goes out to Jen Marquez and Maxim Bartnowski for their contributions. And thank you, listener. Till next time.